podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello, it's the Cup of Tea Show with me, Gareth Roberts. And this week, we've got Chief Superintendent Owen West. Uh, the reason being, it's a follow-up this one, really, to the one we did with uh, Clifford Stock, which was very interesting. We had a lot of good feedback on it. I know when himself got in touch and said he'd had a listen and was impressed with it too. So um, we had a bit of a chat, myself and Owen, and we decided that it'd be interesting to get Owen himself in here and, and talk about some of the same themes. So policing of football... Uh, the problems around that, the traditions around that, and why things may have to change around all that. Um, Owen, I think maybe to kick off, uh, just tell us a little bit about why maybe some of the stuff you're working on now is, is different to what maybe you know traditional football fans think about you know the way football okay. matches are, are, are policed. Well, thanks, Gareth. Before we get going, seeing as it is cup of tea, and I know this is no good for radio, but I've brought you a little presentation pack of Yorkshire tea. Oh, brilliant! To Look make at that. sure that you <laughs> to make sure that you drink the proper stuff up here because absolutely superb. What a guy! Well, you've got to, you've got to do it right, haven't you? You've got to drink the right. You've got to drink the right, the right, the right stuff. That's amazing, and I feel really bad that I haven't offered you a cup of well, tea. Well, it's, like, it's like the bloody Gobi Desert in here, isn't it? It's supposed to be a cup of tea. I'll run out in a minute and, and do everyone wants. Like the Gobi Desert. Once we're relaxed, I'll run out and get everyone one. Go on. You're a good yeah, Atkinson is here as well, by the way, and may, and may well chip in uh, when he's not making cups of tea. But go on, Alan. So, so <laughs> I, I suppose to, I mean, you've had Clifford on, and Clifford can talk about the science of this much, much better than I can. He's the academic, I'm not. What uh, I'm trying to do with some colleagues is to think of a different approach to policing football, one that involves fans, involves stakeholders in clubs, and that we do it through sort of dialogue and engagement. We don't use, you know, overwhelming force. We don't have rows and rows of yellow jackets uh, telling people what to do. And we don't have the batons getting out too early. And we've seen an example of that recently. And we try to do this just in, in terms of, of, of a normal, respectful, democratic, if I, might, if I might say it, way of approaching the policing of, of football. Um, I, one of the things I use on a lot of the presentations is, is a photograph I got from Amanda. And it absolutely sums it up for me. And it's Huddersfield versus Hull. It's a couple of years ago now. Uh, and my force in particular, West Yorkshire Police, put some really draconian measures on those Hull fans that came over. Couldn't get a drink, dry train, couldn't get a drink inside, go to a service station, get your tickets from there, etc., etc. And that ended up with a protest on the streets of Huddersfield, protesting about my own force and about the way that we dealt with that match. And there's a really good uh, sort of graphic of... of Families walking through the town centre of Huddersfield, they've got this big banner up that says, you know, we are football fans, we're not criminals. Uh, and yeah. wherever I go, I use that but to colleagues to say, look, we are getting something fundamentally wrong here. If people like that, you know, ordinary football fans, families think that, you know, the policing is that bad, they've got to take to the streets and protest about it. Um, now, it's, that happened a few years ago now, and it was the first action of, of our new chief then, who had to do a public apology. My view is, whilst policing is getting better around football, we've still got a massive way to go, and we're still repeating some of the issues that brought those people out onto the streets of Huddersfield to start with. You know, when you see that photograph of, of you know, somebody holding up a, up, a, up a card to the, to, the, to the camera that says, I'm not a football hooligan, I'm, a, I'm an accountant, I'm yeah. a nurse, I'm a social worker, you know, that, that sort of paints a thousand words for me in terms of trying to get the message across to, 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 to the people that I work with. And, and to sort of operationalise the stuff that Cliff Stock talked to you about. And Cliff talked about all the science and all the crowd psychology stuff, mm. which we've learned in protest. And this is the annoying thing for me. It took the death of, of Mr Ian Tomlinson in 2009 
for the police to understand that the, the, the view around crowd psychology and how crowds work was outdated. You know, we were still thinking about an 18th century view that crowds were, were inherently violent, you know, that if you give them an inch, they're going to kick off. And that was the sort of psyche that was running the police for, for, for years and years and years. And it took the death of, of Mr Tomlinson for, for the police to, to get that wake-up call. There was a national outcry in terms of, of the way that, that that particular protest had been handled. And that led to uh, our boss, uh, in a sense, the HMIC, which is the inspectorate, Her Majesty's inspectorate, did a huge report about psychology, about science, and about where the views about crime dynamics are. Uh, and that's really our, our starting point for this, because we've learned it in protest. We, uh, there isn't, a, there isn't a, a force in the country that was given a protest to police that wouldn't start with dialogue, with engagement, with talking right to people, no surprises policy, and working with them to facilitate that event. What Cliff and I are trying to say is, if it works in protest, surely... We need to give it a go to see whether it works in football because a crowd is a crowd is a crowd, yeah. you know, and it's a lawful event that they're trying to do. So that's what we're trying to do with Enable UK and the work that we're doing. I mean, as you say, we still see things though, don't we, all the time, which, you know, as a football fan, I find concerning. So for instance, you know, relatively recently we had the, the Sheffield derby and there was lots and lots of footage kicking around of fans being held and fans not being able to get in in time for kickoff. Even one little video I saw where it was, you know, a, a fella and his young kids literally asking a policeman, you know, what's happening and why can't I go, get through there and how can I get into the game? And the and the policeman not engaging with him, turning his back, walking and getting into his car and closing the door. And it, and it's sort of, there is this, that you know, you mentioned about sort of, you know, there's a, a tradition, a, a thing going back years, I guess probably on both sides in a way. There's lots of football supporters who don't trust police. Yeah. And there's lots of police teams who don't trust football supporters. Yeah. And it's it's how you mend that, isn't it? How, 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 do you, how do you change that? Well, I think you, you've got to try and reduce the conflict, you know, really, really on. And, and, and I'm quite critical of some of my colleagues because... Some of the things that we do actually exacerbate the problem. We we make it worse in some of the tactics that that we that we deploy, um, and and you know you're right about about certain matches. You know I've been in this job 28 years now, and uh, there are times when I still put my head in my hands and just think, what on earth was that about? And you know the match that you're talking about is one of those. But there are ways around doing it, and and I think back to you know I, I've been in football uh, for for many many years, and I think back to when Cardiff uh, came to Bradford. Uh, and this just gives you an example of how the police can change their way of doing things. Um, it's about 2004 now, so what? that's what, 13 years ago, isn't it? So what happens there is Cardiff come to Bradford, they come with a reputation that, you know, the, the, the trouble and everything else. I think mm. they've had an experience elsewhere in West Yorkshire that hadn't gone well. What we decided to do, even 13 years ago, was to try and understand where the fans were coming from. And when you actually sat down with them, what they were saying is... We kick off with you lot because you insist on putting us on a coach. Not the coach that I need to get me home, but any old coach, and you use force to do it because you want us off the plot and you want us away. And so a colleague of mine, Dave Campbell, we went across, we spoke to the Valley Rams, and when you understand the geography of, of Wales, when you understand that if you end up on the wrong coach, that's going to take you miles and miles and miles away from where you need to be. So the simple thing to do about that, to avoid that conflict and avoid the, the bobbies and the yellow jackets getting them onto coaches, all we did there was put a sterile area at the bottom of Valley Parade and we just stood off and we said, right, you sort yourself out. We're not going to rush you. We'll give you the space. You tell us when all your lads and families are on the coaches and you're ready to go. And we did that. 
And we didn't have any conflict whatsoever. I think mm. around about that time, first time they'd been to West Yorkshire and not had any problems. And that's about, and Cliff talked to you about education and communication and things like that. That's about understanding where these fans are coming from, literally where they're coming from in terms of geographically and what they need to achieve at the end of the match. So there's little tactical approaches like that that make a big difference. But what we're trying to do with, with the work that we're doing with Enable UK is just to get out, give give um, people of my ranks or, you know, sort of silver commanders, people that are in overall charge of these matches, the latest science and update them with the work that Clifford Stott's done. And one of the frustrations I have, Gareth, is, you know, policing up and down the country talks a lot about being evidence-based and it's all about evidence. Uh, and I suppose my challenge to colleagues is, what are we waiting for? There is absolutely tons of evidence around crowd psychology. Even in the football context, there is paper after academic paper, all published, peer-reviewed, proper evidence that says if you approach crowds in a way that's that's human rights compliant, that's legitimate, that's respectful of them, then you will reduce the conflict that you get over time. And, you know, Clifford's been a, a massive mover and shaker in this, as you know. A, a, a huge amount of the work that he's done is there and it's available to us. So the challenge I give to my, to my colleagues and to senior officers as well is there's a raft of evidence there now. At what point are we going to start to move it forward? I think what people will say, and I'm going to I'm going to ask you this one as well, and this is my point of view, and I, and I got accused um, only by a, literally a handful of people, the overwhelmingly positive reaction to what I did with, with Cliff, the show I did with Cliff, but they get some people saying, well, what about? And there's always, well, what about, aren't there? And, you know, it was, well, what about? So, so for instance, you know, I'll talk about the Sheffield derby there. I, I highlighted the videos I saw. Someone sent me videos of, of fans throwing things and things like that and said, well, what about this? What about this? And and then, you know, people will say, for instance, like I, I, I regularly moan and have done on podcasts before about the way uh, we're policed when we go to Manchester United yeah. because there's yeah. no consistency around yeah. it. Yeah. You know, sometimes we're kept in, sometimes we're not. Um, you know, sometimes you're herded round, sometimes you're not. And it's like, well, what's going on? And what, what's the reasoning for this? There's no explanation for it for me. Um, and so what, what would you say to the people who say, well, what about? Because, you know, there the will remain high-risk games there will, again. There will. there will remain, you know, certain people. I mean, you wrote something which I would recommend people read, by the way, which was about um, how Bradford v Blackpool was policed yeah. and how you changed the approach and how even though you knew there was some high-risk individuals around. Yeah. You didn't go confrontational, did you? Okay, so where, they go, where this goes wrong is the police know that there are some high-risk individuals, but the tactical you know, the, the tactical approach that, that we use all too often means that instead of dealing with those specific individuals, you end up dealing with the 100, 150 people stood around them as the, as the risk group. Mm. So what we're trying to do is to say, no... Deal with uh, the four or five people, or however many it is, that are going to cause the problem because those are the ones that you need to intervene and do something with. That doesn't give us, the police, the right to treat everybody else as if they're like-minded and they're going to do the same sort of thing. Now, that takes a different approach to tactics. That that means you've got to do more dialogue and, and you've got to get in and talk to individuals and you've got to work out who those individuals are. And in terms of you know your challenge around the, the what-if, um, yeah, there's always going to be some high-risk matches. There's always going to be some individuals that want to kick off. We know that. But as I say, it doesn't give us the right that everybody surrounding them, families and, and just normal fans, uh, ought to be routinely kettled and, and, and sort of, you know, uh, roughed about and dealt with in the way that you see uh, in some forces, including my own. You know, West Yorkshire is not mm. 
you know, innocent in, in any of this. And we're slowly starting to get some traction on colleagues in terms of understanding it from the perspective that me and Cliff and a few others um, are, are, are trying to push forward. So the way that you do that is you've got to you've got to have a different sort of set of tools in in the toolbox. And one of one of the ones that you've talked about, that Blackpool match, and there are others, is around the police liaison officer. So that's around not spotters. This is around people that will go into a pub, that will spend time in a pub, that will get a good engagement going, a good rapport, and we'll find out what fans want to do, and we'll find out what the tone of the temperature is, and then feed it back to people like me and give me a really rich sense of, um, of, of you know, the, the way that things are going. I'll give you an example, if I may, Gareth. Um, it's a match that happened fairly recently where, you know, there was one really prominent risk lad there. Um, and as soon as some colleagues of mine saw him, they thought, right, game on, easy. He's one of their main lads. That means it's going to kick off here. Uh, but what the what the uh, the PLT, the police liaison officer, came back to me was, no, 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 I've been in this pub with an hour. He's with his dad. He's actually with his granddad. His mum's going to absolutely bloody kill him if he kicks off. <laughs> and whilst as any other match up and down the country, yeah, he might be risking, he might be a problem for us. Today, he's going to be all right. Mm. Trust me. And as a commander, you've got to take that on trust and you've, you've got to have the, the appetite for risk to do things differently. And this is part of the problem, I think, with, with policing because what we're talking about here in these early stages is difficult. You know, you get one of these wrong. You're all over the newspapers. You're all over the media. The police have lost the plot. There's been disorder. There's been all those sorts of stuff. And so in some regards, it's just easier for colleagues of mine just to continue doing the same old thing mm. because... Uh, you know, football fans very rarely complain, and that that's something that that really surprises me throughout yeah. the work I've been doing for a few years now. You know, we talked a little bit off air about some of the examples that we've had, and and I still can't understand why that doesn't manifest itself in more tangible sort of complaints and action from some of the fans, whether it's through Amanda or whatever. And, and I think that for, you know, for some fans, there's almost a an acceptance that this is the way that they're going to be policed, and I think that's you know that's very concerning for me because. Yeah. If, it, if that was in any other sort of walk of life, that would be absolutely unacceptable, wouldn't it? So why is it acceptable for football fans? And we've got to start to change some of that. But as I've said, it means it means taking a bit of a risk and it means putting, you know, in gear. Some people, some colleagues of mine call it pink and fluffy and they say, you know, that's okay, but it'll go wrong and then you'll have, you know, running disorder and all the rest of it. But if we don't put our toe in the water and don't try, then we're never going to change it. And, and, you know, and from what I've seen of late... Uh, it desperately needs to change because, you know, there isn't consist consistency around the country. You're absolutely right about mm. that. And I think the other thing is uh, football, uh, f uh, police forces cannot afford to keep putting the resources into football that we are doing. You know, the cuts to policing are, are absolutely... Um, I know people talk a lot about cuts and we've had them before uh, and in my 28 years, I remember years ago, you know, if you did more than 30 mile in the car, you had to write a report and say why you've done it because they wanted to keep the mileage down. So we've had it before, but this is of a completely different order. And we cannot continue to keep putting the number of police officers to police football events when, frankly, nine times out of ten, nothing happens. Yeah. And a lot of these cops, you know, colleagues of mine that are the rest of they've been working bloody hard all week, they've had the day off cancelled, they end up coming into football, some of them are on overtime, a lot of them aren't, and they pitch up and, you know, and nine times out of ten, nothing happens. And we've got to try and break that 
psychology that there's this inevitable sort of choreography, this dance where every Saturday in, in, in forces across the country, we come together, we do the same sorts of things and we go away again without challenging, why are we doing this? Do you think, do you think it's, you know, it's wrong as maybe to only point the, the, the finger at the police as well from, from a football fan's perspective? And what I mean by that is there, there are lots of, for me, draconian laws that still exist that, that that have got no use now. I mean, you know, because lots of things that go on and policing tactics as well. There's, to me as a fan, there's no point in them. Like if you say to us, oh, well, if you go, go to Birmingham, then what's going to happen when you go to Birmingham is you'll be escorted into the ground, we'll drive your coach right up to the away end, you'll all get off the coach, you'll go straight into the away end, you'll watch the match, you'll come out, you'll get put, you'll get policed back onto the coach and you'll drive out to Birmingham. Everyone, know, everyone knows that that's what they were doing. So, so everyone just went somewhere else for a drink. Yeah. Everyone just went yeah. to a small town near Birmingham, had a drink there and then went as late as possible to Birmingham because they knew that's what was going to happen. So that tactic, if the tactic was don't have a drink, well, we're all, we've all had a drink anyway. The same as the, you know, you know, don't have a drink on coaches and, and, and you can't take it on vehicles if you can't, you know, if you're traveling to football. Well, that's a nonsense as well because everyone still has a drink. And let's be honest as well, there are other ways to get your kicks that aren't alcohol. So none of, none of these things are working. People are doing those things anyway. And I kind of think, why is football still treated so differently and therefore football fans I mean like you said earlier you know it, it has become a slogan around the, the football supporters federation and other fans you know watching football is not a crime and yet it, it can feel like that you know especially when you're going as an away fan to certain cities under certain forces you know you arrive there and it's it, it's moody it's it, it's how you're treated and you see all the you know as you mentioned there you know coppers in riot gear and all kinds sometimes and you're like I'm gone I'm only coming to watch the football. I, I haven't come for to cause World War Three. <laughs> yeah, and, and I don't disagree with a single word. By the way, a prince amongst broods that, I've got to say, that's a lovely pot. I'll be, I'll be honest and say I felt like I was under massive pressure. Normally it's just Gareth, but, you know, with you as well, I haven't brought the no, tea No, I'm an Olympic tea drinker. But, but, <laughs> but, 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 let me come back to that point. You're absolutely right. I don't actually disagree with what you said, and I, and I think part of the reason for that is, in a sense for the police, it's easy. It's, it's an easier option to use many, many officers to say you will sort of work to our agenda. You, you know, you, you will come on this coach, you'll come on this route, you'll do all these things. Uh, because it's easier for them and, and in, a, in a sense it's, it becomes a little bit unthinking. It's just what, you know, let's pull out the let's pull out the operational order that we had four seasons ago for the same match and do the same sort of thing. So the work that we're trying to do is to try and challenge that because, you know, it can be quite hard work to talk and, and, and a lot of officers, and you'll have seen this many times, and it drives me uh, insane. For whatever reason, you put a yellow jacket on an officer and put them together with some of their colleagues, and they will not talk. No. And no matter how many times people of my rank and others, you know, shout and ball on those briefings and say, for goodness sake, engage, talk. You know, I walk around in civvies so they don't know who I am, and I'm watching. I'm watching what the cops are doing, to be honest with you. And you just don't see it happen. And there's something around the, the psychology of police officers in the, in the, the context of football that, that stops that from happening. And I think that comes back to, to Cliff's point around, in a sense, for, for, for years and years, we've been programmed around a certain way of doing public order policing. The very name public order is around maintaining order. I always try to say public safety. It's event policing. That's what we're doing. Mm. Uh, and very, very rarely do you actually get anything, any violence and anything kicking off. So uh, you're absolutely right. And we've got to change some of those things. And if you don't change them, 
that's when you end up with protests. That's when you end up with the way we started this conversation, which was Huddersfield Hull. That's where you end up with away fans boycotting and not coming to certain grounds because they're not going to put up with it. But it's really interesting, you know. I, I had a, I had an example um, a, a, a few years ago in my force again where some fans did exactly that and they said, uh, you know, we aren't, we aren't going to sort of have that regime. So they turned up at the turnstiles. I won't say where. They turned up at the turnstiles and only about 20 or 30 of them and just said, look, you know, uh, consider it a protest, consider it what you want, but we aren't going to do all the things you've asked us to do because we don't see there's a need for it. And even the fact that they'd done that angered some of my colleagues because the view was, right, they're not being compliant. You know, they're, they're going to kick off at some point because mm. they're not doing what we wanted. They're absolutely doing what they are democratically and freely allowed to do, which is come and watch a football match. So policing has got to improve its game and it's got to learn the lessons that we've learned from protests around being much, much more um, willing to talk and engage and problem solve. So let me give you another a really quick example of, of how the police can change the tactical approach. Uh, and it comes back, you talked about about Bradford. I'm a Bradford lad, City fan, so I'll, I'll, I'll just hang around Bradford a little bit if I can. Uh, and that is a, a match where, you know, uh, travelling fans get off the off the train and they go into the away pub. And for years and years and years, uh, you know, we've always ended up with a good number in and outside the pub and we've escorted them. We've, we've bubbled, as people like to call it, or kettled, mm. whatever you want. We've escorted them. So we've had the, the, the horses out, we might have had the helicopter up, we've put them in a great big yellow circle and we've walked them up to the ground. And that's just what, what we did to get them up there. But what the PLTs, the police liaison officers, have been able to give us is that, that ability to go into the fans and say, look, there's, this is, there's two ways this can pan out. You can either get kettled and walked on, it's, you know, it's Yorkshire, there's hills in Yorkshire, it's a long way up to Topper <laughs> Valley Parade and you'll be late for kickoff and we won't hold back the kickoff. Or right next door is a taxi rank. And you can get in the taxi and you can go up to the ground under your own steam. Oh, well, they're going to rip us off and all the rest of it. So the cops go next door, they speak to the taxi drivers, get them together and they negotiate four quid a taxi. And I was actually there, you know, on the ground watching this. And I'm seeing this group of about 150 outside this pub already starting to think, bloody hell, I'm going to have, I'm going to, have to start thinking about moving these up with cops. And as I'm watching it, in dribs and drabs, they're just going, they're getting the taxis. And, you know, over the 20 minutes, half an hour, this problem's gone. And I haven't had to deploy any officers. I haven't had to get hands-on. I've not had to get the horses out. We've just talked to people. We've had some common sense, some respect. And we've got them up to the ground at a time that they wanted to go. It's cost them four quid. And, you know, all of those sort of, you know, coercion and use of force by police has been negated. And it's those tactical changes, like the thing I talked about at Cardiff and Valley Rams, like that sort of thing that the PLTs can give you because they're going to spend the time talking to fans, getting the engagement going, whereas spotters tend to go in and spotters will say to you, yeah, you've got a group of however many there, so-and-so risk, and they'll go on to the next job. And that's really, as a commander, that's all you're getting. You're not getting that richness of, well, no, I've been with them for the last 40 minutes, boss, and they're all right, and this is what they want to do, and da 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 And it, But it, as I've said, you know, all of this is difficult because, you know, yeah. get it wrong, and the media are going to love it. It's going to be, you know, it's going to be all the hooliganism stuff and that that narrative around um football violence that just just clicks in straight away it's automatic doesn't it you know we saw that with cologne didn't we you know straight yeah. into army of occupation invasion and all that stuff and it were absolute rubbish wasn't it in terms of what actually happened yeah. on the day but it's a big risk for you know police and crime commissioners chief constables and things like that to do it so 
we're trying to build the evidence to make them think about being able to do this safely. Uh, and the way that we do that is we go around, we, we have police uh, commanders, people of my rank and other ranks, and we go, we put the civvies on, and we go and experience it as a, as a, from a fan perspective. So we'll see, you know, we'll be in the bubble, we'll be walk, we walked along with the, with the cops, um, we'll, we'll sort of understand what that feels like, and then we'll contrast that with what the police are doing. Uh, and the early evidence that comes out of that is, in in a lot of occasions, it's actually the police tactics that are making things worse. It's that issue of you will get on yep. this bus, this coach, whether you like it or not. Yep. It's things like that that we need to change, not fans. We need to change. Well, I've I've been walked to a match and uh, on more than one occasion, but I was walked to uh, Chelsea a few years back, and um, I'd actually went to I'd actually gone to Earl's Court for a drink before heading to Chelsea. And for whatever reason, it must have been based on some intelligence or something. I was, I'm guessing, but what was, you know, a nice occasion in a pub with a group of Liverpool fans, none of whom looked particularly dodgy or anything. We all ended up getting walked anyway from there to Chelsea's ground. We missed the kickoff. Everyone hated the coppers who were doing that to us. You know, there's all kinds of arguments with them on the way up. You, you know, I've paid for my ticket. I've come all the way to London. You're making me miss the match. Why have you done that? You know, and then and that and that helps to give police a reputation then doesn't it, it does, as well it does. and one thing i did want to get you on there and you've, you've mentioned it a couple of times in this chat is you mentioned how, how the media treat things and you know almost that like you're worried a little bit that you know these tactics you, you you favor could get the wrong press if you like but also how how much of a problem is the media in general so you talked about cologne but also it, it seems to me that any little tiny bit of conflict can be jumped upon in a match so you know i've got people as i say sending me things from the sheffield derby well the first thing i went back to is well okay this video shows what 20 lads how many people went to the derby yeah 30,000 35,000 so as a percentage of the people who went to yeah. the derby how many people were a problem and how many people just wanted to watch the match but but the media doesn't treat it like that, does it? Or I mean, we shouldn't blanket call it the media. Some of them are all right, I guess. But it, you know, you're very rarely going to see a piece talking to you, for example, or talking to me, or talking to Amanda Jacks from the Football Supporters Federation about perception of fans. If, if you do get those pieces, they're unlikely to get a lot of hits either. You know, the very nature yeah, of, yeah, yeah. of of media, isn't it, to jump on negativity? Really. So, how, how much of a hindrance is that to particularly what you're trying to do? I think you're right. It's, in a sense, it's a bit of, you know, and I don't want to have a go at media per se, but it's lazy journalism. And mm. some of these headlines write themselves, you know, they, they don't take much. You just go back and write what was written about hooliganism in, in the 70s and 80s and some of the same words and phrases that were used yep. then you see getting used again. Uh, and, it, and it's always going to be difficult to innovate and take risks in that way. Now, uh, Cliff and I, it's, a, it's two, two or three years ago now, might even be a little bit less, you know, we got an approach by by a newspaper, and, and you know, we, we spent a lot of time. We talked about all the all the science and all the background to it, what we're trying to do. You know, quite a thought, quite a thoughtful interview, really. And and the headline that comes out of that is, you know, pink and fluffy police. Uh, and it was, you know, it was just one headline. It was, you know, the the, the, the sort of journalist we spoke to said it wasn't me, it was my boss, and all the rest of it. But it causes so much damage um, that it almost, but you almost become really hesitant to go anywhere near mm. that. So uh, I think we'll get to the point where, and, and, and this is the you know this is the I think the the case for for what we're trying to do. I, I think that the tide is on our in, on our side here. I think the the public expectation of, of policing services is getting much much higher. I think the power of social media to put something on and broadcast it to thousands is there and can't be avoided. 
I think if you look at the science that says it's time to change, if you look at the amount of evidence that there's there already, then, you know, we, and it might not be in my time. I haven't got that long to do in policing. It might not be in my time, but I, I'm confident and optimistic it'll happen. And I think when you start to get to that point, that's where some, some people in the media uh, and the press might start to get engaged. But in a sense, you know, what you see in the media is a little bit like what I see with some of my colleagues, which is a, a very old dated view of crowds, an old dated view of, of, of football uh, events and hooliganism uh, in, in their view. And they're not willing to sort of engage and, and, and think about new ways of, of, of approaching this. So I could see a lot of similarities really in terms of some of my colleagues and some of the people in the media that go, you're going to do what? You're going, yeah. to, you're going to do dialogue and you're only going to have four or five police officers but, but to do this? There's this thing to almost jump to a conclusion as well. So, yeah. you know, anytime you see any people on the pitch, it's a return to the 70s and the 80s and all this yeah. type, type of stuff. No, it's not. It's people enjoying themselves. And all oh, right, they might have got a little bit carried away. But actually, how much of a problem is that? You know, they're not running at each other and, and, and whacking each other over the head with iron bars. They're celebrating a goal or celebrating promotion or celebrating staying up. And yet, you know, you see these headlines, you know, chaos, this, blah, 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 blah. blah. And, and, it, and it's always, again, it feeds it feeds the myth around football fans. Because I think you said before, you know, all the stats, and people can look them up, I'm not making them up. All the stats show that the, the vast majority, the overwhelming majority of people who go to football matches do not cause any trouble. It's a There's massive, not loads of arrests. It's a massive majority. And I'm a football fan. You know, I, I, go, I go to football with my, with my son and my brother. And, you know, we were at a, an event with a lot of police commanders up and down the UK a couple of weeks ago in Manchester. And, you know, the overwhelming number of people in that room were all, were all fans themselves. You know, when they, were, they didn't wear a uniform, they were off going to watch matches. So there's, there's something about, uh, you know, understanding what it is to be a fan and what it is to follow football. And, yeah, if, you know, uh, people end up on the pitch sometimes in, 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 you know, in jubilation. Well, take a breath, stand back and let them, you know, let them go back. Yeah. Uh, rather than overreacting. I'm, I'm talking stewarding as well here. Yeah. And, you know, we haven't touched upon stewarding yet, but... You know, I think there are the lessons that I'm trying to sort of get across to some colleagues in policing. I think there's there's absolute read across to some stewarding as well because you know the the approach to stewarding can learn a lot about working with people, dialogue, facilitating it, um, rather than some of the uh, the scenes that we've seen of late. And there's 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 loads and loads out there. Yeah, I mean, go on, Neil. On stewarding, I just I was thinking about it while you were talking all the way through. Is there a is there going to be an issue and is there an ongoing issue where the police can have, can, can be closer, the police service on the day can be closer to your mindset, but if the stewarding isn't, what that turns into a little bit, the police have got a bit of a decision to make in terms of uh, an us and them, because I've been in, I've been in, in away ends especially, where I think the police have been really light touch and yeah. the stewarding's been really heavy handed. Yeah. To the point that I've seen, I've seen police officers exchange looks with each other, and occasionally even with supporters. In terms of, you know, I'm not, I don't want to name even the club, but in terms of, who's this idiot here? How's this become a thing where these two people are having an argument? Do you, does, is this something that worries you that sometimes the, the without criticising again any individuals, but that stewarding because there's some people, there's some stewards who've got a certain mindset that the police have got to end up almost worrying about that mindset uh, uh, yeah. as much as getting on with the job. Absolutely agree, Neil. The thing is, if you're going to have an approach from the police, so of uh, getting off the trains or off the coaches and getting all the way through the turnstiles that's light touch, that's engaging, that's facilitating, all of that's wasted if you then hand over to a stewarding regime that's the other way around and is really sort of aggressive and over the top and what have you. So we, as part of the work that we're doing, and I, I said to Gareth earlier on while you were out making this top brew, um, 
we, we met with the EFL yesterday and we were talking to the EFL about and briefing them about Enable and what, what we're trying to do. And, and we, we started to broach them the, 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 the topic that at some point in the future, we need to understand uh, where stewarding's going. And, it, and in some respects, it needs an investment because if you think about the roles that some of those individuals have got, the key roles, you know, if something yeah. goes wrong that's safety critical in a ground, you know, that, that individual with that yellow jacket on, they've got a massive responsibility. And, and I think there's something that the industry needs to reflect on in terms of what's the level of training, what's the level of awareness that, we, that we're giving them. Uh, and I think there's an opportunity there for us to, to get, you know, get them to understand some of the approaches so that we end up where it's seamless. You've, you've got the same sort of policing and event style from when you get off the train, from when you go right the way through to, uh, I thought I'd turn that off. <laughs> <laughs> I thought it's my chief saying, get off the air, you bugger. Um, <laughs> sorry, I thought I'd turn that off. It's anyway. okay. Um, that's life for you, isn't it? So, yeah, you're, you're, absolutely, you're absolutely right. It's uh, something we've got to do. The other one I wanted to, to mention is, um, you know, I mentioned some of the stuff you've written before, and I would urge people to look that up because I think if you've got a certain mindset about all police, then some of Owen's stuff might, might surprise you a little bit. But one bit I did like in it, one bit I, did, I sort of took took away from it really was I think sort of at the end of the process that some fans had literally said to some of the officers like why can't our police really like be like this because I think I think it was little things like you know they'd been going approaching fans and saying do you know where you're going uh, do, do you know where's all right to go for a drink uh, we can tell you if you need any help and sort of very early on in your experience of arriving in a city the, almost debunking the idea of what you've got about about policing another city. So the, the the coming to you and being friendly, engaging, like you said before, not just being you know the stone faced man in a in a yellow jacket giving you a bit of a snarl because you got a scouse accent or whatever. Instead, saying, "All right, lads, where are you yeah, going? Yeah. Are you looking for a pint? Uh, the away booze. We, we've we've done an away boozer today. It is X. It's down the hill. It's on the right. Whatever." I mean, to me, it just it just seems so logical, and it seems to make so much sense, and it, it actually seems more human as well. So yeah, that's the approach that we're trying to get with with police liaison officers, and, and let's be right about it. You know, I, I almost pinch myself saying this. It's almost bloody ridiculous that we're having to put a, a new sort of tactical approach in to answer the question of why don't cops speak to people in in the football context? I mm. mean, you know, police officers are employed for their communication skill. You know, and you know, and they're not at a football match. They're dealing with all sorts of incidents, and they're talking to people, they're negotiating, they're problem solving, and yet for whatever reason, you you, you pitch them up at a football match, and, and you get this sort of sense of them. So yeah, so what the PLTs are doing is they're doing exactly that, and they are recognising, you know, they they are people that are coming to our city, they're our guests. If you walk into a city you haven't been to before, you're going to want to know where's it, where where can I get a drink? Where's it safe to get a drink? Actually, if mm. you if you're wearing your colours and what have you, so the PLTs will steer people round and say, right, you want to avoid there, you want to go and. And what that does is it, it 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 brings that sort of sense that the police are there, not in in opposition to them, but to help them and facilitate them. And I'll give you a really good good example again, fairly recently. And and you know I was, I was watching it myself, and that was some fans got off the train at a certain place, uh, and because of bylaws in that city, they weren't allowed to take booze, uh, sort of from the platform into into the city. So PLT's office just stood them there, spoke to two or three lads and just explained it really respectfully. Look, you're going to get a load of grief if you're walking around with a can. You're better off drinking it now. And that the two or three individuals that they spoke to then went back, left the police and went back through the barriers and started to tell their mates, drink up, lads, before you go through. And so what that meant was the officers only needed to speak to those three or four people. They didn't have to repeat that message 
hundred times Edison. for the people because that self policing, that self regulation yeah. that that the scientists would call it. They just went back and they dealt with their own issue, yeah. and they said right, and they accepted it because of the way the message was put across. You know, the message won't come past here with that kid. You're going to get locked up, which is what sometimes you see, isn't it? Yeah. So this is all about. It's about decent. Um, respectful policing as, as we should have in, in, in a democracy and that neighbourhood sort of style of reacting to people and dealing with what's happening in front, not with people's reputations. And it's interesting, you know, a colleague of mine fairly recently on the back of the work that we've done, he made the decision that you'll know um, that each match is categorised in terms mm. of is it high risk, medium, low, all that sort of stuff. And what he said was, I'm going to take any reference to the risk of this match off. So it wasn't on the brief and it wasn't on any of the paperwork. Because what he said is, I don't want to put in the minds of my officers before they've even seen anybody that this is going to be, you know, this is going to kick off here. There's some potential. So I'm not going to tell them. I'm just going to tell them, police what's in front of you and let me worry about the risk and the categorization of it. And I think that's a really novel way of, of trying to deprogram officers from thinking because, you know, they go on a briefing and they'll, they'll get all the intelligence and everything else. And, you know, intelligence and, and how that comes about is a completely other different story. But to an extent, you know, we programme our officers to think that the day is going to pan out in a particular way. Um, and that's part of the challenge that we have within within the work that we're doing. Anything else from you, Neil? No? Uh, really interesting stuff, Owen. Uh, great to have you in. Uh, great to hear all that. Uh, and Owen, you're on Twitter as well, aren't you? If, I am. If people want to look you up and engage with you on this particular subject, where, yeah. what, 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 how can they find you? What's your... So it's uh, WYP, West Yorkshire Police underscore Owen West. I'll, I'll just put Owen West in there. And then... You know, we, we, we blog a lot about football policing. We blog about Enable. We've got seven forces in Enable now, big forces, GMP, West Mids, Northumbria, West Yorkshire, Staffordshire, South Wales. So we've got some traction now. We've got some big forces that are starting to think differently about their approach, and I am incredibly optimistic about where this might go. Probably won't be in my time, but, you know, I think there's, a, there's an opportunity here for policing to work with fans and with other stakeholders and, and to de-escalate a lot of the conflict that just shouldn't be there shouldn't doesn't need to be there really appreciate you coming in thanks for coming all the way to liverpool today thanks for bringing the yorkshire tea as well uh, <laughs> thanks ne- for making it a very nice pot hope neil's couple was up to scratch it was <laughs> um, and thanks again maybe speak to you again sometime sports social podcast network